Salt, and Light from the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Ansi, host. This week I discovered and I realized that I've been at Metro 10 and a half years. I feel like a newcomer, but I have been here 10 and a half years. I came to Metro as an intern 10 and a half years ago while I was at seminary. It was at seminary um, that I realized more about who I was. I'd always wanted to go to seminary. Um, My dad had gone to seminary, and so I wanted to go because I loved discussing theology with him ever since I was a little girl. But I'd never really considered it as an option for myself because I grew up with the, in a church and a narrative that told me that because I was female, I could not lead a church. I could not be a pastor. And so when there was a time in my life when my life felt like falling apart, it was falling apart, and there was nothing that I could hold on to, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to seminary because I've always wanted to do this, and I'm just going to do it. So when it was, uh, and I was in my final class at seminary, and it was time for me to do my internship. And so I had no purpose in going to seminary, so I decided I'm going to stop now. I've done everything that I needed to do. I've learned what I needed to learn. I'm going to stop. I don't need a degree. I don't need to finish this class. I don't need to do an internship. And so that's what I told my husband. My husband had just helped me pay off my student loans for seminary, and he was not having any of it. He told me he, I had spent a lot of time, money, and effort to go to seminary and take all the classes for my MDiv and that I was getting a degree. And that's how I ended up at Metro. But because I was not secure in my calling and my identity of be, to be serving in a church, anytime anything went wrong, anytime something went wrong, the voice in my head would say, see, this because you're not supposed to be doing this. This is not for you. But I decided to serve where God had placed me, to lean into it, to embrace my calling and my identity as his called and gifted daughter, to embrace my identity as as his called pastor. And as I did that, I became more secure in my calling. And I was able to stand firm when things didn't go well. I didn't need the approval and the validation of the people around me. I knew who I was and whose I was. Today we're going to talk about our identity as salt and light. Let's look at our text for today from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that as I speak, that the words that come out of my mouth be your words, Lord. That the hearts and minds of those who are listening are prepared to hear your word, and that your word takes root, Lord, and that fruit is produced from it. We place the rest of the service in your hands, and we ask that you bless it. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
Notice Jesus doesn't say, be like salt and be like light. He doesn't say, this is what you should be, or this is what you will be, or even what this, this is what you can be if you want to. He says, this is what you are. It is not optional. Jesus speaking to the identity of his people, knowing who we are and what our identity is, is important. If we don't know who we are, we can never fully live into what God is calling us to. We can never be our true self. We can never be, live our life fully. Jesus died and resurrected so that we may have life and have it abundantly. Just like it was hard for me to live into my calling and my identity uh, as a pastor until I embraced and acknowledged my calling, it, was, it is going to be difficult for us to live out our calling as salt and light until we acknowledge it and embrace it. So let's look at the two things that God has called us to, salt and light. Both salt and light are essential to light, to life. Salt plays a crucial role in maintaining human health. The human body cannot live without some sodium. It is needed to maintain proper fluid balance and to transmit nerve impulses and contract and relax muscles, including those in our heart and our blood vessels. In today's society, we don't realize how essential salt is to have a healthy human body because the food we consume has too much salt in it. We forget that our nerves and our muscles would not work without some salt. During Jesus' day, salt was especially essential. Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Our word salary comes from the Latin word salarium, which means salt money. Salt has multiple uses. It is used to flavor food. It is a preservative. Therefore, it prevents and slows down the spoilage of food. It is, uh, it is used to disinfect a wound, and it can even create thirst. Jesus' audience and the people listening to him were well acquainted with the multiple uses of salt, especially its use to flavor food and as a preservative. Since they didn't have refrigeration, salt was used to preserve meat and fish longer. Those first disciples would have been intimately familiar with this function of salt. Without refrigeration, the fish that they caught would quickly spoil if it wasn't packed in salt. Once salted, the fish could be stored safely and then used as needed. Light, too, is essential to life. We have an understanding of light that the early Christians did not. For instance, we know that it is because of light that we can see the full spectrum of color. Metro, isn't life more beautiful in the, with the full spectrum of colors? We know that sunlight provides the energy needed to sustain life on earth, and it provides us as, as, with us essential vitamin D that we need for healthy bones. But because most of us have never lived without electric light, we miss Jesus' main point. We walk into a dark room and we flick on a switch and our room lights up. But for those early Christians, they lit their homes with small oil lamps. Jesus' audience understood the value of light in their daily life. When Jesus told them that they were salt and that they were light, those words had meaning to them. The early Christians became known as the way because they followed the way of Jesus. They lived into their identity as, their, as their, his called and gifted children. 
and his disciples. The sad thing is today so many Christians do not know who they are. They may be genuine believers, but deep down, they, it's just another part of their portfolio. Their faith is just one essence of them. When it comes down to it, they define themselves in terms of their name, their job, their possessions, and the people that they know. If someone asks you who you are, and nowhere in that conversation, Jesus or the kingdom of God comes up, you are a confused Christian. You don't know who you really are. You don't know your identity as a Christian. As a Christian, being a follower of Christ is the essence of who you are. So how do we live out our identity? How do we live out our identity as salt and light? First, we live out our identity as salt and light when we are change agents. In calling his followers salt and light, Jesus is speaking to the identity of his disciples, telling them who they are and assuring them that God is going to use them for a transforming influence in this world for good. Salt and light are both change agents. They change the environment and the things that they come into contact with. Anytime light encounters darkness, it shines. Anytime salt touches some sort of meat or some sort of meal, it changes it. It's definitely different. Have you ever had the top come off a salt shaker as you're using it? Well, it's happened to me. I was putting salt into a sauce when the top came off and too much salt came in, fell in. There, let me tell you, there is no way to get salt out of a, a sauce once it came into contact with it and dissolved into it. If you are a Christian, you are called to be salt and light, to be change agents in the world, fulfilling his purpose wherever you go. Our story is so much more than our personal life and our personal faith. We are part of God's greater story of what he is doing in this world. Stepping into our identity as God's representatives within our sphere of influence unleashes God's power in the world around us. From God's perspective, all work is sacred. So no matter what you do, when you use your skills and your talents for God's purpose, you are making a difference. You can make significant changes in the world for the better when people see you using your skills for God's purpose. We must be salt by flavoring and preserving the world around us. We know that the world is broken and dying because of sin. Just look at the world around us. Look at the corruption and the power struggles and the inequality and racism, hate crimes, self-interest, and the silence and the and the inaction of those who see it. The world is dying around us. We are called to be salt, to preserve the world, and flavoring it by living out God's joy in the world. Salt naturally intensifies certain flavors and decreases others. Salt has a unique ability to make sweet things sweeter and diminish the impact of naturally bitter things. Jesus is saying that those who are in, are in step with God can make the world a better place and a more enjoyable place by communicating God's goodness and truth. That the sharing of the gospel, the good news, will bring life and preserve the dying and decaying world around us. That the good work that we do, we are 
when we are sure that God's creation is treated with dignity and value, that our boldness in standing up against injustice will bring glory to God. Jesus is telling the crowd that if they live out the Beatitudes and are connected with God, that they will be a preserving force in this world. We have spent the past eight weeks looking at the Beatitudes. How Jesus says that we can be supremely happy. When we live out the Beatitudes, then we will be the salt that will prevent the society from rotting away. Then our righteousness and holy living would rub off on those around us so that they too would be preserved from decay. We must be light which is a source of illumination. We must be the light that penetrates, reveals, and exposes truth and reveals the glory of God. Darkness distorts reality. Everything looks different. It is only when you turn on the light that you see things as they really are. We must illuminate the spiritual darkness around us by the boldness of our speech, our willingness to speak truth and by the way we live our lives, revealing the glory of God in our lives. Pay attention when the Spirit is prompting you to speak. I remember there was a time when I was leading a group and I felt the Spirit's prompting. Let me tell you, it's not easy to do what the Spirit's asking you to do. I wasn't sure if I should say anything, if I wasn't sure if I was hearing it correctly. I wasn't sure that I wanted to put myself out there. But at, so after some time of internal debate, I decided I'm just going to say it. It turned out this was exactly what that person needed to hear in order to break down some barriers that was keeping them from connecting with God. Can you imagine if I had kept quiet? I would have missed an opportunity to be light in this person's life so that they could see God more clearly. So pay attention to when the Holy Spirit nudges you to speak truth. Light also has an attractive force. We gather around light sources. Even insects are attracted to the light. Your light will draw people closer. There are many in this world who are hurting and in pain and broken. They're floundering around in the darkness. So many people stay in the darkness because they don't see any other options. But when the light of God shines in the darkness, they may move closer to that light and in that way see God's light and may even know that light personally. When our light shines to those around us, they will see the beauty of our good work and darkness falls away and God gets the credit. As they see the light in us, they may see the light giver within us. Do you see yourself as a change agent? If you are a Christian, you are a change agent. You make a difference just like salt and light. But the problem is we don't see ourselves as change agents. We see ourselves as ordinary. I think that's probably why Jesus chose salt and light. Two very ordinary things that, may, that are very powerful change agents. You may feel as ordinary as table salt. You may feel as unspectacular as a table lamp. But try living for a while without salt and light, and you will see what an extraordinary difference these ordinary things make. 
We can make an extraordinary difference for God when we live into our identity as salt and light. How do we make a change in the world for Jesus? One person at a time. The way we live our life, our actions, and our words will be a testimony to those around us within our sphere of influence. Both salt and light have uh, properties that affect the things around them. Salt enhances flavor and is a preservative. Light, um, light illuminates. To be salt means to deliberately seek to influence the people in our lives by showing them the unconditional love of Jesus through our good work, good deeds, and right living. This is why the vision of our church is transformation. This is what we're called to, to be change agents in the places that we're already in, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, to be salt and light that brings the transformation of God into this world. How are you changing the world around you? You don't have to be in professional ministry to make a difference for God and be a kingdom builder. All you need to do is embrace your identity as salt and light. A person in our church who inspires me is David Lee. He is, David works as a therapist and he, um, and he sees private clients work on their aches and pains. He has told me that as he's working on his clients, he is praying for them. He has worked on me when I've been in pain, so I know he's a gifted healer. But what I love is that as he's working, he is sharing his story, his testimony of how God is healing him and growing him. His willingness to be honest and transparent about his story and his pain and how God's love and his, has worked in his life has made people open to sharing their story and their pain with him. He has let God transform his pain and his brokenness and, br and then let him break the chains of shame in, his, shame in his life so that he can help others do the same. He is doing it right where he is in his daily life with his clients. We can be change agents for transformation when we embrace our identity as salt and light. Second, we live out our identity as salt and light by rejecting conformity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt losing its saltiness is pretty much an impossibility. Salt can't just lose its saltiness. But what can happen is that it can get mixed up with impurities and, and get diluted with other minerals that are in the area. It, then it's no longer good for anything but to be trampled underfoot by men. It can become like normal soil, indistinguishable, so watered down by everything in its vicinity. Part of being salt is to be distinctive, to not conform, to be set apart. We can't stay in the salt shaker because salt in the salt shaker is not being a change agent. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. We can't get so caught up with the things of the world that we become indistinguishable from the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is in our connectedness to God, in our deep personal relationship with God, our time spent with him that allow us to not conform to the world. This is what strengthens us and empowers us to be his change agents in the world. Jesus tells us that we can get unsalty when we are contaminated and we need to reject this. Reject conformity. Are we distinctive? Do we bring the flavor of God to the places that we're in? Are we conforming? There are people like Mother Teresa and Shane Claiborne, the leader of The Simple Way, who intentionally live and lived in ways that is countercultural. They didn't reach towards what the world says is success, but towards how they can make the world a better place. To care and seek, to, and to care and come alongside those who are suffering and those who are poor. To, to resource and advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves. We have amazing people like that at Metro here. People like Deborah Moore, who's the director of our care ministry. She has led our food pantry ministry. She reaches out to those who are sick and who are grieving. She organizes meals. Um, she helps those who, are having, who have experienced loss with funeral arrangements. She cooks and delivers so many meals. And she calls and reaches out to so many people every week. There are so many other people like that here at Metro, too. All those who helped with every week with the food pantry. Those who are willing to take the time and effort to show their love and care by cooking a meal or, or sending a meal to someone who is sick or grieving or just had a baby. The, there is something so attractive about these people who are not diluted by the me-centric world around them, but rather bring the flavor of God to the places that they're in. They change the world for the better by living into their identity as salt and light. Third, we live in, out our identity as salt and light when we reject obscurity. Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 15 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, its, on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So the first picture is of salt being contaminated, and the second picture of, is of light being hidden. Jesus' message to us is to shine, not hide. Let the blessings that God has done in your life shine. Let it shine away to his kingdom. That is what we're called to. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. God has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And we must be a light in the darkness, calling those who are lost into his light. <clears throat> Jesus' message to us is to be engaged. Be engaged with the world around us, with the culture around us, with the people around us. Don't move towards obscurity. Resist obscurity. 
don't hide the light of God, the world needs it. The temptation is just to shine our light with other believers, but we know that the, uh, the, the presence of light in, in light has no impact. The impact of light is in the presence of darkness. Don't hide the light. Don't misunderstand. Christian fellowship is essential to growth and it's commanded by God, but that is not where we're supposed to shine. It prepares us to be a light in this world. This is what Jesus' prayer is for us. John 17, 15 to 18 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus wants us to be in the world. Jesus has sent us into the world. We are to be fully engaged with the world, knowing that God has empowered us with his light to be a light to the world. We must resist the temptation to hide our light, to obscure who we are as his chosen people. So who are his light in this world? Let us live out the words of the traditional um, Sunday school song, This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine all the time, let it shine. All around the neighborhood, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, nah, no, I'm going to let it shine. Are we a light in the darkness? Are we hiding? I love the way the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it in the book, The Cost of Discipleship. Flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. A community of Jesus that seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. When we are not the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we are not living into our calling and we are not following God. Fourth, we live out our identity as salt and light when we give God the glory. This identity as salt and light means that God desires to use his people for good and be a blessing to those around us for the explicit purpose to bring glory and, and praise to his name. The goal is not to do good for goodness sake or to seek praise for ourselves, but, but instead to live righteous life with the goal of showing the world who God is and what he is like. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to live in such a way that our light and our good deeds are drawn, draw others to God. The light of Jesus is shine in and through us before others. That means this is a public exhibition of light. Being salt and light points to the kingdom of God. Light does not call attention to itself. When people see a beautifully lit up city, they don't discuss the lights, they discuss the genius of the architect. When someone eats a deliciously flavored meal, they don't praise the salt or the ingredients. They talk about the genius of the chef. As salt and life, light, we, our lives are to be an ongoing witness to the reality of Christ's 
presence in our lives. When we worship God with pure hearts, when we love others as ourselves, when we do good without growing weary, we are lights shining. It is important, however, to know that it is not our light, but the reflection of the light of the world, Jesus Christ himself, that we people will see in us. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus is the light, and we bring glory to him when we are in the world, reflecting Jesus to those around us. In order to reflect the light, we need to be in the light. Pastor Shirley shared with me this week at sermon prep that for Lent, she is committed to not having any physical food until she's had some spiritual food. She does not eat breakfast until she's spent time with God. I love this. Starting the day with God. Spending time in the light with Jesus so that she can really reflect God's light into the world. Are we spending time in scripture? In prayer? In quiet time with Jesus regularly? Are we a light that reflects Jesus? Do our actions lead others to see and glorify God? Our identity is not about what we do, but what Jesus has declared us to be. Our identity precedes our doing, which is our purpose. Our purpose is to do good for others in order to glorify God. Our identity matters. Knowing who we are and whose we are matters. It influences everything about the choices we make in our lives and in the future. Salt preserves and season. Light illuminates darkness and reflects the glory of God. God says we are the salt that brings the flavor of the gospel and the preserving power of God's love to the people around us. We are the light that reveals the truth and reflects Jesus. When the church compromises and becomes more like the world, it loses its flavor. And as Jesus said, it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. It is ineffective. An ineffective Christian is, is not living life to the fullest. An ineffective church is not living its identity as the body of Christ. For us to live out our calling in Christ, it is necessary that we always remember who we are and whose we are. It is necessary that we remember we represent Christ by our words and our action, and our purpose is to bring glory to God. As many of you know, I have two daughters, Parker and Paisley. It is many times through them that I see God in action. Last year during the COVID quarantine, one of my daughter Parker's classmates had a devastating house fire. They were home when an electric fire started in their garage. Her friend was the first to smell smoke, and she told her mom, and they literally ran out of their house with their clothes on their back. They lost almost everything and their home. One of the class parents set up a GoFundMe, and my husband and I, Scott and I, we donated to it. I told, my, I told Parker and Paisley what happened. I asked them to pray for their friend and her family. And I also told them that we had donated and that we should always be doing what we can to help people when they're having difficulty. Parker immediately told me that she wants to donate her money too. 
Now, we had just started giving the girls an allowance maybe about a year before. Um, so they get about a dollar, they get three chores that they're supposed to do every day. And if they do it every day, they get a dollar for each chore. So $3 a week. And they're supposed to put it away in three categories. Give, spend, and save. Now, Parker didn't have that much money in her give envelope because she had used it for other donations and also as offering at Metro Kids. And honestly, we're not very good at giving them their allowance, and during the quarantine, not at all. She also wanted to sew this heart-shaped pillow and she wrote, and she, and, and because she wanted to let her know that Jesus loved her. So um, she wrote a note telling this girl that Jesus loved her and that she was praying for her and her family. Now, I wish I could take credit for any of this, but honestly, I'm the one trying to talk her out of it. Um, I was like, you don't have that much money. It's okay. You don't need to give your money. Um, you've only taken one class on sewing. I don't think you need to make anything. But she wasn't having any of it. She wanted to do what she can. This was a moment when my daughter heard about a friend's suffering and was moved by compassion. And it didn't just stop at her praying for her. And which, don't get me wrong, is powerful. Prayer is always powerful. Parker chose to get involved, to be engaged, to give what she had, to reject conformity, to reject obscurity, to put herself out there. Being salt and light may seem hard, but it is just the willingness to love the people around us. It is not in the amazing things that we do that make us salt and light. It is our willingness to engage the people around us, to love deeply, to be willing to be change agents for a transformation in the places that we're already in. So Metro, let's be salt and light everywhere we are. Let's pray. Father Lord, I thank you for this word, Lord. I ask that this word takes root in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that it not be something that we hear, but that it's something that transforms us, Lord. Help us to be salt and light in this world. Help us to see the people around us with your eyes and with your heart so that we know that we can love deeply, that we know how we can serve them, Lord. Help us to be your salt and light in the world. Pray for the rest of the service. I pray that you bless us. Let your Holy Spirit empower us to serve this world, to be your salt and light. Praise on your precious name. Amen. Here at Metro, uh, the sermon doesn't just end with the sermon. I want to invite you to take some next steps with me. If you're new to Metro, we have something called the communication card. You can find it on the Metro app or at emetro.org Sundays. As I take you through the next step, if something applies to you, check it off and we will get back to you. One, for the first time, I am ready to put my faith in Jesus. If you have never made this decision before, I invite you to take that step today. As one, and one of our pastors will contact you and will walk with you through this. Two, I will pray and ask God to show me how I am conforming to the world. It is not easy to stay distinctive. It is easy to get caught up with what's happening in the world around us. Let's ask God to show us the places that we are conforming so that we can stay distinctive and in line with God's kingdom values. Three, I will look for ways to be engaged and show Christ's love to the people in my life this week. 
Let's ask God to give us his eyes to see the people in our lives that need to see God's light. Four, I would like to be added to the distribution list for the take them a meal rotation. This doesn't mean that you're signing up to deliver a meal. It just means that you will be alerted when someone in our church is in need, when someone is sick or experiencing loss or just had a baby. This is a great way to show love and care to the people in our church.